0: I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna stroll through memory lane once more. Um, but again, good morning. So today, uh, Pastor Ken asked me to to preach about um, the conception of Christ. So we're gonna talk about um, what it, what what Christmas is from the viewpoint of God, right? Because we always see Christmas from our viewpoint, from the world view. But let's look at Christmas from God's viewpoint, okay? closer? All right. So we're going to go through John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4,
1: and then we're going to close on
0: verse 14. All right, so you guys know that every time I start um, talking about the Word of God,
1: we talk about the non-negotiables, right? The non-negotiables are crucial for us because this kind of sets a tone for us. So if there's any situation where you may think that you're, not, You're fallen, not fallen, or God is sovereign. Then what the Bible says is that this helps us, helps helps us we said it, set And in it. the middle there of there, you, you, you see, he's always aware of God as far as our man is fallen, as by alone. So let's begin. So the first time we're going God as only for them, He's lonely, and he's in everywhere. And then the Martian man is fallen, we are rooted in sin. We are radic, laddy, great, brain, and, we are friends and, of and, friends and of we're fled and flesh, we're just dead. And we, we are and saved we are by, grace by grace alone, being the alone, 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 alone because because of Christ rise, alone. alone. That's, it. That's, it. that's that's why we're saved. Uh, uh and, and, eyes eyes and in we exist for the glory, glory of God alone. alone. That's why that's why he created, created us. us. And and we believers submit submit to the authority of scripture alone. So there's no other authority that we submit to, no other no other books, but just just one book, the Bible. Alright? So before, so before part, we start, let's let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. It's an amazing day, Lord. It's beautiful. It's so warm, and it's it's perfect, just like how you
0: intended it to be.
1: So we thank you for everyone who's here, and we thank you for everyone who's joining us through
0: Zoom. Lord, may you soften our hearts as we discuss your Word. May you open our minds, and may refocus, and may we put everything that we learned today into practice and not just stay within us lord um teach us what we don't know give us what we don't have and make us what we are not in christ's name amen all right so if we look at the world view definition of christmas so i looked up miriam and webster and it says that the definition of Christmas it's a Christian feast celebrated on December twenty five, um, and then for some Eastern Orthodox Christians, it's on January seven, that commemorates the birth of Christ and is usually observed as a legal holiday. So what's weird here is that they didn't even mention mention a word of Jesus right no jesus no manger no god it's just christ right so for unbelievers they don't know who christ is because they don't think that they need a christ a savior so that's the worldview definition of christmas and if, as we go through filipino christmases right um for some of you this is going to be like what i said a while ago this is going to be a stroll on memory lane and then for the non-filipinos this is going to be a quick cultural lesson on how Filipinos deal with Christmas. So as soon as the the bear months hit, September, October, the Philippines changes, right? Uh, the music, they start playing Christmas music. You go through the mall, they blast you with Christmas sound. And then the lights are different. They start decorating. So Filipinos, they love Christmas, right? We start celebrating Christmas in September and you're gonna start seeing these things. These, these are called paroles and um, Parol, and um, they basically mimic the star of Bethlehem, right? So it's super colorful, super festive, and super loud, but that's how we start Christmas, right? So this is going to be, you're going to start seeing this. And then, uh, and then there's Simbang Be, there's this Midnight Mass. So for some of you who don't know, Midnight Mass starts on December 16 at 4 a.m., and it's continuously done nine days in a row. So December 16th to December 25. On December 24th, the Midnight Mass is truly at midnight. So it's at 11 o'clock. But till that day, it's at 4 a.m. So, I mean, my question when I was a kid is, that why is it called Midnight Mass? It starts at 4 a.m. It doesn't even make sense. But anyways, the whole goal of a Midnight Mass is to really complete the ritual. Because when you complete nine days, that means you get a wish, right? So I did this once in the Philippines because I wanted to get a wish answered, right? So I just want to set you up, right? It's not a prayer that people are looking for. It's a wish, right? And trust me, at 4 a.m., I'm probably one of those guys standing up on the outside. I'm not really listening. Right, I'm just there to get my checkbox and tell God, you know what, one. Wake up the next day, four a.m. And it takes a lot of conviction to wake up at four a.m. Right, because that means you need to wake up at like three o'clock or three thirty, and then go go to church. Right, so after the mass, after I've completed it, then I, I get a wish. Right, and I'll tell you that the wish is never true. It's never. You will never get it. Uh, and then you 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 go outside and there's street vendors and you have bibinka and potobongbong on the street so these are just iconic filipino christmas traditions right you you never get a chance to eat this food unless it's christmas right this doesn't exist in the summer this exists at 4 a.m in the morning after you come from midnight 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 mass midnight church okay and then you wake up Right, Um, you wake up in the morning and as kids, I was a kid when I was in the Philippines, obviously, and you wear your brand new clothes, right? Brand new shoes, brand new everything. You take a bath and then you you just have to smell good, presentable, and then you go to your relatives, you go to your ninos and ninos, and then you line up just like this and you show a sign of respect and ask for money or presents, right? But f- where I came from, we don't get a lot of presents, we get money, right? So I can tell you right off the bat that I wasn't, I didn't really care about my relatives. I just came there so I can get the most money I can ever get so I can buy what I want and buy fireworks. That's what I would buy, I would, I would spend my money on fireworks, okay? And then I found this video on YouTube Some of you may have already seen it, so I'm going to play it, but it's a heartwarming picture of what the Philippines Christmas looks like, okay? So I'm going to pause and we'll play this. Thank you. All right. So that's, um, whoops, hold on. So that's what Christmas is in the Philippines. Oh, there you go. Uh, was trying to take control of my laptop, but anyways, um, so let's, again, when we started, let's look at what's God view of Christmas is. Everything that we saw so far is worldview view of the Philippines when it comes to Christmas and it's heartwarming, right? I mean, it, it gets your emotions, right? But Let's go to the word of God and let's see what God meant for Christmas to be. So, um, you can read along with me. I have the verses in front of me, but John for John one, one to four, the word became flesh in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, he was with God in the beginning through him, all things were made without him, nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind verse 14 and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth all right so when we read those it's a little bit poetic a little bit confusing so we're going to dive into the word and the beginning and all that good stuff okay So um, one key thing is in the beginning. So John starts his gospel, um, and he takes that from Genesis 1-1, right? In Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, right? Period, right? You you can make a sermon just on that alone because it talks about God being there, being self-existent in the beginning. But John took a different approach, right? He said that in the beginning was the word. Right. So what is this word? And that's what we're going to talk about. What is that word? Right, so let me bring up my notes. Um, so in the beginning was the word and the word was it God. So in the beginning, it emphasizes that God is self-existent. That means that no one created God. He's not a creature and he wasn't created. He is the creator. Right. So God, the father, creates all things right and then part of him being in the beginning it was not only him john is laboring that point that with the god the father was god the son who is depicted as the word right so it tells us that god and jesus were self-existent and co-existent at the beginning right so um one key word that's different between us and God is the word being. Right? I know in science or in the in the world we call ourselves human being, but we're not really human beings. Because we don't have being in ourselves. We're human becoming because we're becoming. Right? So as human becomings, not human beings, we're constantly changing. Right? So when I started this preaching until now, I already aged, I already changed, right? Uh, We're constantly, I mean, when we were babies, we were growing, we were learning, but now at my age, we're getting weaker, right? My body aches and I'm in the process of dying. We all are in the process of dying. So as a result, our decisions change our mindset change, our worldview change, because we're just changing, we're becoming something constantly because we are creatures, we're not the creator. So God, however, is being, right? So immutable means God is unchangeable. He cannot change God. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Uh, the trends that you see on TV doesn't influence God. The culture doesn't sway God. God, and this is weird to say, but God doesn't learn. He doesn't learn. He doesn't need to do research. He doesn't, when he makes a decision, he's not missing a data point. So people who are doing research, I know some people on Zoom are probably researchers, when you look for data points, you're trying to come up with a conclusion. God doesn't need data points; He makes the data points, and He doesn't um, He doesn't need us as a guidance counselor, right? So when you start reading the Bible, and you you come across a passage that's like, "Wow, really, God did that? I wouldn't do it that way." Well, guess what? God doesn't need you. He doesn't need a guidance counselor. The holy God who's sovereign over everything, who created you, knows everything, okay? So it sounds pretty harsh that God doesn't learn, but it's a good thing that he doesn't change. The reason why it's good is because when he saved you, he saved you forever. When he forgave you, he forgave you forever. When he poured his love on you, he loved you forever, right? So that's a good thing. Right? And that's good news, because God hasn't changed. However, that could be bad news as well, right? So if you haven't put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, when God condemns you, He condemns you forever. When God sends you to hell, you're in hell forever. So those are things that are hard to say and hard to preach about, especially on Christmas. But it's all about the truth. If you don't tell the truth, then we're just here as you're just, I'm just, I'm trying to amuse you, but I'm not trying to amuse you. I'm trying to teach what God has told me to teach you. All right? So that's why it's important that God is immutable. All right? And then the word, right? The word has been used multiple times and it becomes a little bit confusing, but almost poetic. But um, for the Greek readers, the word is, it's easy for them to understand because the word means logos, which means the ultimate force, the supreme force. I think Pastor Ken preached on this a couple of Christmas ago when Star Wars was coming out and, you know, in Star Wars, may the force be with you. So in the movies, the force in Star Wars, it's, it's something inanimate, it's a thing, right? But in the Bible, it's someone. Right? The force is someone, when God said, let there be light, that force from God, the Jews, it's a big deal. So for the Jews, they, they, when they read the Old Testament, when they read the Bible, I mean, it's everywhere where it says, thus says the Lord, God has spoken, let there be light. I mean, everything that, how God communicates to us is via the word, right? And that's how also God expresses himself, and that's how God reveals himself through the word, right? So for a Christian, how else would we know Jesus without his word? I mean, how is it possible that we would be Christians today if the word did not exist,
1: right? So the word is powerful, and that's Jesus Christ, so on Matthew 4.4, I took some, it's super easy, right? Just look for the word, word, in your Bible, and all the verses come out. But let's, talk, let's see what Jesus says. right? On Matthew 4.4, he said, he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, God. So this is so what he, he was in the desert, desert. as we beat, beat by the, the devil. devil. The devil, and the devil was telling you and was used when God and Jesus, said Jesus Jesus said and man the friend does not bring like but every like, word. Not some words. Some word. words. Not just the not words, words that you like. Or not just the words that are easy. But every every word from God. From God. Okay? Okay. And that and that's that's is is always that Jesus is. He's, He's relying, relying on the Word of God. Yes, Jesus Christ, our God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, Lord. Savior. and Savior, relies on the Word. Lord. We should do we should same. the same. Okay. Okay. And, 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 and in Matthew 7, 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So in this situation, the Word guides us not to build our house on sand, but on the rocks. It's a guidance. And then finally, on Matthew thirteen twenty three, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who
0: hears the words and understands and produces fruit. So the promise is fruit for those who hears and understands the word. So with the word, we can get his instructions. We can get his warnings, his encouragement, his love is all in his word. So the question is, what are we doing with his word, right? Are we reading the Bible? So that's something that um, only you can answer that. I cannot answer that. Right. So let's go to the next slide. Let's talk about life. All right. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So life to humanity, light to mankind. So um, the opposite of life is death. And, um, jesus always depicted himself as life right john 14 6 and you guys all know this jesus is the way the truth and the life no one goes to the father but but through him and in john 10 10 the promise of life is the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i came that they may have life and have it abundantly So those are promises and those are depictions of what Jesus meant by life, right? And then light, a couple of things on light. I'm getting old nowadays, so I always need light so I can see things, right? But light is the opposite of darkness. We all know that, that's very elementary, but light reveals hidden things. Uh, Light leads you out of the dark and light brings knowledge to what's in front of us, right? So in Psalm 119, the psalmist wrote, your word is lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So the light guides us, right? And in John 8, 12, Jesus says, and I think Jill posted this a couple of weeks ago, I am the light of the world. Whoever's follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So it's very instructional. So the life is necessary. The light is necessary. And, um, and we always have a question, right? So why don't people see the light? Right? We talk about the light all the time at church in our Bible studies. But well, how come people don't see the light? So there's a, the Bible answers that, right? Um, and in 2 Corinthians four, 4 it says, Paul wrote, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this is, it weaves in perfectly to what we're studying, right? It basically says here that the glory of Christ is the image of God, right? Again, they're coexistent, self-existent from the beginning, But people don't see Christ because the devil has blinded the unbelievers, okay? So that's called satanic blinding. So that's one reason. That's not the only reason. We can't always blame the devil for everything, right? So in John 6, 44, let's let's move that weight from the devil to God. And Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them up and I will raise them up at the last day. So Jesus made a statement that no one can come to him unless God moves. If God doesn't move, you would not be here. If God didn't move, I would not be here. So someone has to move. And and and, the, and you're not seeing it, but no one can come to me. That's a universal negative, right? It doesn't say some of you may come to me. He says, no one, unless the condition was satisfied. And the condition is God has to move. And if he doesn't move, you won't be here. I won't be here. So it's super important to know who is the savior and who is the creator and who saves you and why you're here. Okay. So some people, they don't want the light. Right? Some people don't see the light, but some people don't want the light. So why don't people don't want the light? Because what did I said a while ago? The light reveals things. Right. So the light reveals our sin. Light reveals our true condition that we are fallen people, that we are dead in our sins. We are spiritually dead. First uh, Corinthians four five. It says, wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the hearts. We're all sinners. We're all fallen people. So God has to do something. Uh, But that's why people don't want the light. That's why people don't like Christ. That's why people reject Bible studies. That's why people think you're foolish because they don't want the light because the light is very convicting. It's going to tell you that you're a sinner and it's going to make you understand that there's only one God there's only one way it's the narrow way there's no other way but God but Jesus Christ all right so that's the life so we're getting close to the end here so this word that we studied this being this light this life this power this force became man Right? So the the invisible became visible. God left his throne and went down to earth. and actually the picture is from throne to dirt. Right? It's very polar opposite, right? How do you go from throne not not earthly throne but heavenly thrones to dirt, right? So that's, that's what happened, right? He touched the earth and every place he walked, just like when he showed up with Moses in a burning bush, he made that ground holy. So the holy came down to us, right? And the key thing here is that God, and I put um, underscores on it, God became man. He didn't come appearing as man, he became man, right? Super critical. The difference between appearing as man and becoming man, right? So God is called um, 100% God, 100% man. Vera homo, vera deo. He's not 50% God, 50% man, right? He's not 100% God and appeared as man. No, it's 100% man, 100% God. So what does that really mean? I mean, he spoke normally, right? He he laughed. He smiled. He cried. He got hungry. He thirsted. He took a bath. That's what it means to be become man, right? He did everything that we did, everything that we do, except for one thing. The one thing that we couldn't do. The one thing that Adam couldn't do is to be 100% obedient to God, right? We could not do that. I was sinning this morning, right? I was upset that we were gonna be late, but that's what Jesus did, right? He was a perfect man. He's not a good man. He's not a very good man. He's not the best man. He's a perfect man because it takes a perfect man to pay for our sins that's why he's called the lamb without blemish not a lamb with some blemish but a lamb without blemish the first perfect lamb because that's what it takes for God to be satisfied for I mean to pay for our sins someone has to be perfect so God didn't just die for us because that's what we hear at church all the time Jesus died for you you know what That's super hard and it's impossible for us to do. But equally impossible is for us to live a perfect life. And that's what Christ did. So he didn't only die for us, but he lived for us. Right? So became man is a big deal. Okay, so fine. Let's do do manhood. Let's become man. Right? But why does it have to be so shameful? Why is his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, were looked down upon? Because they were, Mary was pregnant. Joseph didn't even know him. It, 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 there's full of shame in his earthly parents. And and I talked about a while ago, he went from throne to dirt. Very shameful again. Why does it have to be that shameful? Why does his first bed have to be a feeding trough? Right, you know, when, when you think about a feeding trough, you know how animals eat right you know how cows eat the trough that they eat from they don't really clean it it doesn't go through sanitation it doesn't have an ultraviolet light to kind of kill the germs none of that i mean it's unacceptable now and it's also unacceptable two thousand years ago to lay your baby on a feeding trough but that's what jesus went through so the question is,, I mean, why was he not an elite? Why was he not born as a Greek, as a thinker, right? Or, or, or as a Roman, as a ruler? Why? Why Jewish?? Why, 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 why feeding trough, right? Why not royalty? Why not be born of influence? If God wants to send his message across, shouldn't he? give that message to Caesar who kind of rules half the world at that time why didn't he use Caesar why did he use a baby in a trough right? so the king of kings came down in humility and he didn't have to God didn't have to do that God didn't have to save you God didn't have to pay for your sins but he wants to and that's good news right? he wants to Right, he wanted to be with us, and then finally, he dwelt among us. Right, so dwelling is living with someone. Uh, the picture is he pitched his tent with us. So when we went camping, we pitched a tent. We all go in the tent. Right. Um, the picture in the Old Testament is that the tent is the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant. And the only time in the Old Testament for you to meet God or to be in God's presence, not even see God, but just in his presence, is you have to go in the tent and be in the Ark of the Covenant, which is only reserved for the high priest. You're not even allowed to go there, right? But in the New Testament, in in the gospel, your access through God is through Jesus Christ alone. He's your mediator. There's one mediator, not two, not three, one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. So dwelling is God living with us. He made himself accessible to us. So you, remember I asked the question, why didn't he send a message to Caesar? Because Caesar is an. Unex- he's unaccessible. I cannot access Caesar. I'm here, right? I cannot access the queen of England. I cannot even access uh, the president of the United Nations, right? So that's why he dealt with us, right? So he made himself accessible and um, he didn't elevate himself to high places. So it's purely grace on why he did that. And he knows that we cannot get there on our own. So he comes to us. Right. Uh, I was listening to a song of Chris Tomlin, um, and it says, he sees the depth of our hearts and he loves us the same. Grace, all right, last one. Okay, so let's not confuse Christmas as puto bong, bong and bibinga. It's not paroles, it's not the food, it's not even a family reunions. And I know it's super popular for the Philippines to have family reunions during Christmas. It's not about that. It's about the word becoming flesh, right? That's what it's all about. So um, why did God have to do it? And I think this was a message from Pastor Ken is that it's all about reconciliation with God. And the only way we can re- reconcile with a holy God is through a, a blameless and holy sacrifice, and that's Jesus Christ. He came to us. God moved first. Love moved first. And that's why the, I forget the verse, but I think it's in 1 John. It says, the reason why we love is because he first loved us. not the other way around folks he is the one who moves you couldn't move you were dead you were dead in your sin you were spiritually blind you were blinded by satan and by the way god didn't want you to see him but he moved god moved all right so let's go into application so the application is you're gonna, have, um, you're gonna celebrate Christmas with your relatives, right? I don't think anyone here will spend their Christmas alone, but you are. if you are, you can go to my house. Um, but as you break bread with your relatives, as you eat meals with them, I want you guys to ask them questions, right? So it's kind of like our Sunday school now as well. So a lot of us, they don't, we don't have questions to ask. But when you're sitting in front of your friends, after you're having coffee with your coworkers, ask them the question, you know what, I've been studying John 1, and for the life of me, I don't know why God became man. Ask them that question. You know why God became man? But they may not know, because they're celebrating Christmas with paroles, bibingka, puto bong, bong Christmas lights, and sentimental things. Ask them, why do I need a savior? Right? I'm fine. I'm working. I'm healthy. I didn't get COVID or I, I survived COVID. But why do I need a savior? Ask them that. How does Jesus exercise his lordship over you? Right? Why did Jesus have to live and die? You have those answers from this sermon. Engage with them. You don't have to answer, ask all questions. You just choose one and engage, and get to know these people, get to know those persons, see what they're thinking. And this is your time to share the word that became flesh, all right? So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for sending your son. You didn't have to, but you did. Thank you for the humility, thank you for dwelling with us thank you for pitching your tent with us and thank you for knowing us and providing a way to be reconciled with you lord thank you for everything that you've done and lord may may this message be put into practice and may we engage with our friends and families and neighbors and our co-workers and um, build relationships so we can point them you lord give them fertile ground give them open minds
1: and give your people the courage and the boldness to engage in christ's name amen